This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Welcome to our Bible study. Um, we will engage in the time-honored tradition of prayer before we study. And a, a warning and caveat, if you misbehave, I will kick you out. Okay. Yeah, I know. So who would like to pray for us before we begin? A volunteer? Pray? I'll pray. Father, thank you for this time set aside to study your word. Father, we pray that you would honor us by your presence and guide us by your spirit, that we would see wonderful things out of your law. Yes. Amen. 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 So we are studying the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Um, yes, and I admit we are not going as fast as I thought we might. So we've managed to get through the first eight verses. Okay. But we did do a, a, a small touch on uh, verses 12 and 14. So going over last week's... There's a guy, I've got two more spare. So going over last week's, uh, in Acts 1, verses 12 and 14, inform us that the disciples returned to their upper room. Later on, gets a Latin name, the Senecal, which was inside the city of Jerusalem. And no, no one knows where that is. Following the ascension. We then get a list of the 12 disciples, along with Mary and Jesus' bro unnamed brothers. Right? This is the last mention of Mary in the New Testament. Okay? So, she appears in uh, Acts 1 verse 12 and then disappears from uh, recorded sacred history. Can I just say to Shimbeth? Yes. Because I read recently in the Apocrypha, there's another book of John which records Mary's death and what she said before she died. Correct. Yes, written by uh, that guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll talk about him in a minute, but yep, you're 100% right. So what are the traditions of Mary? Where do you think she ended up? Multiple places by the sounds of it all. Yeah. She buried numbers of places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really horrible. She died, she resurrected, she died. It's like <laughs> yeah, it happens with these guys. There are two, two main traditions, okay, based on how you read John, okay? So, in, in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is on the cross and he turns around to the disciple whom he loves, okay? It's not recorded the name of this guy. And it says, woman, here's your son, son, here, here's your uh, mother. And the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, again, not named, takes Mary and stayed with him all the time. Two traditions then uh, began. One is that that disciple whom Jesus loved is John. John ends up in uh, Ephesus, where according to tradition, uh, that's where Mary, Mary dies. And uh, then, then uh, she's buried in a tomb in Ephesus, of which there is a Byzantine church. John then continues on and ends up in the Isle of Patmos. He has with him two disciples, one called Polycarp. Have you any, anybody heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the other one is this guy. Uh, his name is Lucius or Luke. Okay. Luke in, in Latin is Lucius. 
So our Luke in Greek is Lucas and in Latin Lucius. Lucius Chirinus. He's apparently uh, John's recorder and writes stuff. And so he records also that uh, Mary was in Ephesus. Uh, that could be true. The other tradition is, according to um, uh, Byzantine tradition, is that Mary actually stayed here. Why? Because, according to the text, who is the disciple whom Jesus loved? John. Now, why do we say John? Because... He was youngest. So in John 11, which is the first time you get the mention of the word, the disciple whom Jesus loved, says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, Beit Ani, house of the poor. He was from the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This sort of idea that Lazarus, Mary and Martha, this little group of people that Jesus always goes and stays with when he's in, uh, in Jerusalem. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to the Lord. Lord, the one you love is sick. And then, every, and then the next time you mention it is in John 13. And so the term, the beloved disciple, actually begins here. In which case, it is actually referred to which disciple? Lazarus. Lazarus. And so according to the Orthodox tradition, which is the other 400 million Christians in the world, okay, the Coptics, the Ethiopians, the Armenians, the Byzantines, the blah, 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 all of that stream of Christianity actually accepts that uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved is Lazarus, which, which actually answers the question, if Jesus is on the cross and mum has a whole bunch of brothers, why are they not taking care of mum? Because they were not his brothers. Correct. So, uh, the 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 if if uh, if if Mary should, has a whole bunch of other kids, they should just naturally to start taking care of Mum. Mm -hmm. They are here in the upper room. Are they not? Yes. Yes, because who was one of the first people to ever see Jesus alive? It was the women. Yeah. Right. Now it says in the gospel that. Peter and a disciple whom Jesus loved ran to the tomb. If that is Lazarus, Lazarus was in one of those tombs, wasn't he? So doesn't he have quite an interesting experience when he goes into a tomb and goes, wow, I was in one of these. Yeah, seems that we all keep coming out of them. It's kind of cool. The tradition is that Lazarus, they attempted to try and kill Lazarus. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the, the Jewish authorities because he was a witness to a resurrection. Yes. All right. Everybody knew he was dead. Now he's alive. This is a real problem for the authorities. So the, the believers smuggled him to Cyprus, where he becomes the leader of the Church of Cyprus. That's a tradition. Not, it's not recorded in any book that we have. Um, anyway, it's, it's possible that... So, so one stream is Mary actually stayed here in Jerusalem. And that's the reason why uh, the, 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 the Byzantine church that's buried under what we today call the Upper Room... Is actually the Byzantine Church of Mary, and what what is the the, the the abbey that's built right next to it? The Domitian Abbey, where Mary goes dormant. Ergo, this is where she died, where she's buried, according to tradition, Orthodox tradition, is at the foot of the Mount of Olives. You can go visit her grave if you wish, both Armenian and Greek. 
it doesn't matter. Just that there's two streams of traditions, okay, based on how you read the Gospel of John. If you take John being the disciple that Jesus loved, there you go, she's in Ephesus. If you take the disciple of being Lazarus, she's most likely here. Okay? All right. Um, so oh. why, didn't, why didn't the uh, children take her? What was the... Oh, according to Western Christianity, um, Jesus is the uh, older brother. Okay? And, Mary, and all the other brothers of Jesus are younger. According to Orthodox Christianity, that is the Christians who are actually here, they actually believe he's the youngest brother. Is that Jacob was old, Mary was young, which is the same as Ruth and Boaz, which is the... Joseph. No, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Ruth and Boaz, though, are also, yeah, so Joseph and Mary are, are young. Uh, he's, he's old, she's young, just like Ruth and Boaz. And, um, and God chooses the youngest, not the oldest, which is also biblical tradition. He chooses Isaac, not Ishmael. He chooses David, not uh, the older brothers, etc., uh, etc. Et so, the, the Orthodox will have Jesus actually being the youngest. So there's actually no blood relation to Jesus. No one has blood like Jesus. Just Jesus. It's the Western tradition. It's the Western tradition, which is the one we hail from, which says that he's the oldest one. And we have absolutely no proof of that. Just like they have no proof that he's the youngest. Okay? It's a tradition. And so we have to accept that we come from the West. This is our tradition. It doesn't make it actually true. We do see in the scriptures, though, that he... He is the uh, uh, he's the heir and he has the preeminence. Sure. He's the first fruit of pretty much everything. Yes, but it doesn't so, mean. Uh, it's a principle, but it doesn't mean. Yeah. No, it's uh, it doesn't mean he's the firstborn from her womb, but that does not mean that Joseph did not have a first wife. So the tradition is, the Orthodox tradition is that Mary is an orphan. Her parents, whom you know, the Jehoiakim and Anna, and their church of Saint Anne is was their home. Okay, uh, they die young. Poor girl needs to be orphaned out. The temple's job was to take care of widows and orphans. Took the orphan and decided, well, we better marry her off. And uh, oh, there's a guy over there we know uh, in in the family who's old. His wife's died. Just like David needs a young woman to keep him warm. <whistles> Away we go. Okay, and uh, that's that's the orthodox tradition. Now, just so you all know, uh, I'm I'm a Protestant. Uh, an Anglican, so I accept that I have lots of uh, uh, Western traditions. However, the Greek Orthodox have been here the longest, and they're holding on to a lot of Jewish Jewish uh, traditions, more than we are, because they're closest to the source. So in this case, I actually think they're right. I actually think that it actually fits the biblical picture of God always choosing the younger. Chooses Jacob, not Esau. Yes. He's constantly choosing the, and this, why would his son be any different? Um, and so, so I happen to think that. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point is, the, the part of Acts that we read, that's the last mention you get of Mary. She's, she stops. Okay? But it also mentions that her brothers are there. So her brothers are actually a part of this, too. They're in the, uh, uh, the, as part of the disciples. Which means, on the day of Pentecost, who gets filled with the Spirit? Mary and the brothers. The brothers, James and Jude, in their epistles, 
never mention their blood lineage to Jesus. They say, I am a servant of the Lord. They do not say, I'm a brother of the Lord. So, if they, if they, they could if they wanted to, but they chose not to. Anyway, uh, there are two, we, we notice in, in, in the list of the disciples that were there in, in Acts, there were two people who weren't there. Nathaniel's not there. John chapter 1. He is the first disciple who actually recognizes Jesus as the Son of God, as the King of Israel, after 10 seconds after meeting Jesus. And then you don't hear about him anymore. Okay? And you also have in Matthew 10 and Mark 3 a, a disciple called Thaddeus who is not in this list. So the Gospels provide several lists of disciples as you read them. And those lists differ. Signifying that there's actually a movement of people in and out of the inner circle. So as you go through the uh, life cycle of Jesus and his disciples, you have the inner core changing. Some leave for money reasons or whatever. We don't know the reasons. There, are, there is no reason why disciples are, are not there, except for Judas. Uh, and uh, his, his reason why he's not there is listed, because he killed himself. So in verse 4, we were told that Jesus was eating with his followers. What sort of body does Jesus have that requires him to eat and breathe? Correct. The answer is he has his own body. Okay, same one. The one that he went into the grave is the one that came out. Which therefore implies that Jesus remains both human and divine. So is he still eating then? No clue. But, but, but do you think it's, it's, it's an interesting theological thought, isn't it? That when John looks into heaven and Daniel looked into heaven, what did they say that they saw? They saw a Ben-Adam. They saw a son of man. Which, is, which literally also means human. Which is a very interesting thought indeed. Yes, that's a question about him eating. Yep. Because it's not in my Bible, so does it say he's eating in the Greek? The original. It's not in your Bible? It's footnoted in mine. It's footnoted in yours, okay. Which thing? The, uh, the, the, it, Verse four. it will mean, okay, now, at, when, when, when we did the very, very first one of these acts, we spent a lot of time going over the background. And, 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 it, and one of those two things was which version of acts are we reading? Are we reading Alexandrian acts or are we reading, you know, Western text acts or are we reading Byzantine acts? And, and, and there are some differences. And so many of the translations, if they're good translations, they will actually have footnotes and they'll say things like other manuscripts say this. It's just <coughs> something we need to acknowledge is that when our translators come to translate the Bible, they have to choose which manuscripts they want to use. For example, we read Alexandrian Acts, but we actually read Byzantine Luke. Now, isn't that interesting? Okay? And you go, I wonder why that is. Um, not sure why. It just seems to be the way people have been grouping their, their texts. I'm not a textual scholar, other than to say that I know that there are differences. Okay, so Jesus commands his followers to wait in Jerusalem. For, yes, oh sorry, ma'am. Um, I just uh, think that it's not uh, necessary, necessarily the same body as this. Okay, now why would you say that? Uh, isn't it somewhere that he's got like a glorious body? 
Is it written down that he it has? It was a... before when he died and resurrected. When they went to mountain, yeah, he changed. Transfiguration. Yes. Transfiguration. Yes, there is a there is a uh, a, a transfiguration scene before his his death. Yeah. But Mary didn't recognize him at first, so he must have looked different. Looked different. But still recognizable. Still recognizable eventually. But she wasn't looking for him either. Yeah, so. That's right. No, it was pretty beaten up. Right. The tomb is empty, so a something happened to the body. Okay. So you either have to believe that. Something happened to his body, and Jesus got a new body. And you then have to ask, why are the scars still there? Because he has the same, he has the same scars that, uh, that, that are there. And you have to ask then, why are they there? Like, if he's got this new body, why would you need one? I am guessing that you're probably going to get to that point, but my question is, what is the life application of all of this? And like I said, you'll probably get to that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I am just going ahead no. too fast, but there has to be some kind of a life application at some point. But all so, of this data is interesting for sure. Right, we're studying the text and we're oh, just yeah. going through it as, as it is and seeing how we... The, the, what we're actually doing is we're, we're, whenever we come to the word the Holy Spirit, we focus on what the Holy Spirit does okay? as the acts of the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus commands his followers to wait in, the, in Jerusalem for the promised gift to arrive. Okay, that's what the text says. So the Holy Spirit is a gift. gift. It is not something purchased. It is not borrowed. It is not bargained, nor is it deserved. And it is certainly not a right. It is a gift. Okay. And, you are and, and Jesus says, you are going to be baptized. Now the Greek N can mean in through with. And it gets used like that all the time. You'll be baptized in through or with the Holy Spirit. However, we also had to note that the disciples already have the Holy Spirit. Right? They receive him in John 20. And so we begin to learn that you can have the Holy Spirit and you can also be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is interesting. So what is baptism? And of course, the Jewish, the Jewish disciples of Jesus are going to have a definite understanding for themselves what is baptism. And they get that from the mikvah, which we know to be an individual personable action of faith performed naked full immersion and repeatable so the disciples expect to be immersed in the Holy Spirit despite already having the Holy Spirit then they say something very dumb right when Lord are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel the messianic expectation of the disciples despite having been with Jesus for years remained a physical Davidic kingdom Okay? If they can misunderstand Jesus, then humbly we should acknowledge our own misunderstandings. Right? After spending so long with Jesus, hearing him, even after the resurrection, even having the Holy Spirit, still coming up and going, so when are we going to have the kingdom of Israel and kick out the Romans? And Jesus, uh, you know, I always think of Jesus going, oh my gosh, you know, okay, I'm going to give you all report cards. It's all F. You know, you're all failed. You, uh, I get rid of you. Okay, Jesus responds by not chastising them. Thanks be to God. Okay, which is also good for us that He doesn't chastise us like this. But by describing God's control of times and dates and calendars, all of which were very important to many Jewish groups in the Second Temple period. And we had a look at some of these concepts, like in the books of Jubilees, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the books like Enoch. They are obsessed with time. 
as to when things happen, on what days they happen, uh, and things like that, which sections of the church still are too. Okay? But the, the, the thing what Jesus says is, God is in control of these times. Okay? So time is important to the Lord. Yes? Yes. And what was the very first thing that God made holy? Time. Right? So time, very important to the Lord. And not only is it important to Him, He's in control of it. Then the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit comes with power. Unfortunately, Jesus then didn't explain what that meant. He just said, what does it, so we asked the question, what does it mean to have power? What do you use the power for? Can the power be abused or can it only be used for good if it actually comes from the Holy Spirit? Jesus says the purpose of this power is to be a witness of Jesus until the ends of the earth. Note, the Ark of the Covenant in Hebrew is actually often called the Ark of the Witness. Okay? The Aron HaKodesh most often is called the Aron HaEdut in the Hebrew Bible. The Ark was something physical and it was carried among the people as a witness. Jesus is then taken up to heaven. Why up? Because if, you, if heaven was up, in relation to Jerusalem, that means when I was born in Australia, heaven was down. Why did you just have to go up? Well, if you would have been in Australia, <laughs> you would have gone up as well. Right. We have no idea. He, he goes up. It's okay. probably to teach that God possible. is above all things. Sure. We don't, we don't know the reason why or where heaven is, but Jesus goes <coughs> up. He is then received by a cloud, as we had mentioned in the first First uh, talk, cloud was the was with the presence of the Lord. God spoke from all from clouds, and clouds uh, contained His glory. Right inside the sanctuary was a cloud. Outside the sanctuary, God was a spirit. Ruach Elohim was outside the the temple or outside the Mishkan, but inside He was a cloud. And then we have these two men that appear and be, and talk about uh, to Jesus. And so we have to have a discussion on angelology. These are men in white. Angels always appear as men. Mm -hmm. In every single biblical text, every single apocryphal text, every single Dead Sea text, every single text up until the 20th century, angels are men. Okay? And they don't have wings. And they're not small little guys running with a, on, on clouds with a bow, shooting arrows. And they are not babies. And they are not babies. No. They are, there are angels with wings, and they have a special role and function, but they are not the most common of, of, of the angels. Okay? Uh, they speak, and somehow they also eat. And if they speak, what else does that mean that they do? Breathe. Breathe. That's correct. You cannot speak if you cannot breathe. So that is also an interesting thought. Okay? We are told some new information. Okay? We are told that, the, that Jesus will return. This material is not found at the end of the Gospel of Luke. Right? Same guy writes Luke. Same guy writes uh, Acts. Both talk about... Same guy describes the ascension. But in the Gospel according to Luke, you do not get angelic visitors and you don't get the promise of return, but you do here. So we are given new piece of information. Okay. Uh, in the uh, in the visitation by the Lord to to Moses, he prepares 
And to uh, Abraham. And to Abraham. Sorry, to Abraham, yes. So, so, so what does it say in Judges and Gideon? Okay, so, all right, so where are angels from? Where, what, what, what are they doing? You find angelic references in, in, in many parts of the text and outside the texts. You have in Second Temple period literature, angels performing all kinds of things and doing all kinds of things. Uh, Testament of Abraham describes the angelic visitors with, with, with Abraham. And Michael, one of them, picking up uh, Abraham and taking him around. And the cow that they ate, resurrecting. Okay, just in case anybody wanted to know what the cow did, the Egyptian Coptics have uh, an interesting text called the Testament of Abraham, which uh, the, the cow that they sacrificed comes back to life, even after they ate it. So it's quite a good cow to have. Um, in the book of Judges, you, you, you were being, we were being oppressed by the Midianites, and the hero chosen is Gideon, and then uh, a man, not called an angel, but a man, appears, and uh, he just appears. He's there, he's watching, he can't be seen, and then suddenly he can be seen. And often, the verb uh, is in the nif'il form, which is a passive form. So it's like the angel might want to be seen, but then something happens and he is allowed to be seen. He interacts and then the veil comes back over again. Uh, when Daniel prays, an angel immediately appears. Next time he prays, it takes three weeks. So where, where, where is the, uh, the other world? How far away is it? And what happens in it? None of those, these questions we will probably know until we, until we get there. However... In the two expressions where we have the idea of angels uh, ascending and descending at the ladder and on the Son of Man, where's the order of their movement? They are ascending and descending, which means where do they start from? On earth. Yeah. They've got to start at the top. We, the, our normal Western tradition is angels live in heaven and they come down. Whereas in the Jewish tradition, they're actually here. We just can't see them. They might want to be seen, they might even want to interact, but they cannot until they are allowed to in the passive form. It's a very interesting way of writing, I think. Okay. All right, so I think that's kind of a summation of, of, of where we got up to. So we will do our best to finish uh, chapter one today. So let's read. Um, Okay, so we'll start, how about we start at 12 and then read the chapter. Is that good? Okay? All right. To Acts 1, verse 12. And we, we, we go around. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, <coughs> with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. During this period, when the group of believers numbered about 120, Peter stood up and addressed his fellow believers. Brethren, the scripture has to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us 
and was a lot of his share in, in this ministry. Okay. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, the Keldamah, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. Wherefore, of these men, which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, Beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us for his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take part in the ministry and apostleship from which Jesus, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was added to the eleven emissaries. Alrighty. Okay. So, uh, here we have them... Uh, returning to what we later on will call the upper room or the cenacle from the Mount of Olives and then we get this description of the number of the disciples which is quite large and uh, in verse 14 it says they all join together constantly in prayer so this is not just a, a one-off event this is a, a thing that they continue to do on a, on a regular time they join together in prayer along with the women and so, who else is present? Women. What a, what what function do the women have? To serve them. <laughs> Let's not say that out too loud, but sure. <laughs> I mean, what else? What else do they do? Supported. Supported. Yes, they paid. Yeah. And what else did they do? They studied. Yes, of course. Martha was at the feet, right? Well, Mary was at the feet, right? And Martha was. So they, you know, women are there as well, which is very interesting. Okay. Which means, when the Holy Spirit's going to fall down on them, who's also going to get the Spirit? Which is exactly what you find in the prophet Joel, right? God is going to pour His Spirit on all flesh, yes, from the son and daughters. Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters, yep. Yeah. And so we're going to have women present. Okay. And, uh, and so they are there from the first as well. Uh, and Mary and the mother, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Okay? So right now they must be um, very embarrassed okay? out of all the things that they might have said about him when he was alive. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So all up, we've got a little, little group of people. So this is not a tiny room. Okay? This most definitely isn't a room like this. Okay? Unless they weren't meeting in that room. They might have been meeting somewhere else. I'll bet we've tried to fit 120 in here. <laughs> <laughs> you actually are probably right about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
So Peter takes the lead, all right? And in the, in the, uh, the weekly reading Torah portion, uh, Torah portion, uh, the lectionary reading that was assigned for this Sunday, the one last one, which was Luke 5, that's where you get uh, Jesus telling Peter that he's going to go catch men. Right? I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And it's like, great, good. Jesus is saying, this is what you're going to do. But we'd actually end up getting much information about Peter. Most of Acts is actually about Paul. Okay? Even though Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be catching men. Okay, good. So he's going to do it. But we don't get much information about him. So, um, what do we know about of Peter? <coughs> and this hails back to what is the book of Acts? Okay. What is the book of Acts? If it's, the, if it's the, what the Acts of the Apostles are, then it's not <coughs> about the Apostles very much. It's about something else. So, how did Peter die? He was crucified. Okay. How do we know that? Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> Jesus said he will die or uh, he will take hold uh, what is the order one ago. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's probably going to be true for most of us, okay, when it's time for us to go. Okay. The book of Acts tells us uh, I mean, a little bit about Peter. A little bit. Not as much as Paul, but yep. he, he spoke on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people yep. turned to Christ. Yep. And then, uh, Yep, that's Acts 10, Acts 3. They are. They are indeed. And Corinthians tells us he appeared in Corinthians. Okay, although we're not sure how, when, or why. We have a small discussion with him and Paul in Galatians. Okay, so he's running around doing stuff. But we actually have no information about much of it. This guy did write some of it. Okay, this is uh, Lucius, Luke, Tyrannus. This is the guy who hangs out with, with John, okay, and uh, ends up writing some of this down, okay. He actually has several books given to his name, none of which are in anybody's Bible, okay. The Acts of uh, Peter, Acts of Andrew, Acts of Paul, Acts of Thomas. Unfortunately, many of these documents have been, as they were copied, added in by other people. And so it was hard to figure out which was actually true, which bits of it were true, which bits of it were not. And so in the year 740-something, there was a council where they read out a few of them, and then they all decided as a group, no, we won't keep these in the Bible. Okay? Um, and uh, the Acts of Peter is the one that tells us that he was crucified upside down. Okay, so we all say it. We all say that he, he, he was crucified upside down. The only piece of information that says it's in this book. Oh, wow. Okay, and, the, and, and, and the, the bit that it's in massive numbers of, of languages. It's in Coptic, it's in Armenian, it's in Greek, it's in Syriac, it's in Latin. Okay, um, uh, the actual Acts of Peter is only in Latin, but, but the martyrdom part, the last couple of chapters, end up being copied in lots and lots of languages. So um, it could be that that bit's true and the rest of it maybe not so much, but we don't know, okay? So it's not part of our canon. Uh, it is around, it does say some interesting things and it does dictate, it does give us the tradition that he was crucified upside down. But that's, that's where that source comes from, okay? Um, okay. 
So he is, he stands up as the leader and starts taking a leadership role. And he says, brothers, okay, uh, Adelphu in the, in the Greek. Um, and even though there's females present, which also reflects a Hebrew, because when you have a group of males and women in a room, um, and you want to say a verb in a, in a form, which form do you say it in? Masculine. Masculine. Okay, it's a, it's, it's just a, a thing. So it reflects the, the day. He doesn't say brothers and sisters, he actually is reflecting, that he knows they're there, and he actually is acknowledging they're there. Just, it's, it says brothers, although women are present, because we've already been mentioned that they're there. The scripture had to be fulfilled. Alright, so now we're going to quote a uh, Bible and, and give ourselves some proof texts. Which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Yes, the Holy Spirit speaks. Thank you. So how does he speak? Through people. Okay, through who? Through David. David. Oh, David. Yeah. Okay, so that's what. That's what the text says. So the Holy Spirit spoke through David concerning Judas. Okay, so can the Holy Spirit speak through someone other than David? Okay, so let's go down with uh, us, you, anybody. Now, if the Holy Spirit speaks through David, mm -hmm. okay, and it's in the Bible, because yes. this is in a psalm, and the Holy Spirit speaks through us, yes. does it have the same weight as the Bible? No. Why not? Is it the same Holy Spirit? Yes. yes. So if it is speaking through David, which is then written down into the Bible, and then which has weight and power, and we read it, if that same Spirit speaks through you, how can that not have, I'm playing devil's advocate here, just so you know, yeah. the same weight as King David? So that means there should be more Bible. Aha! Why not? Come on, guys, work with me here. Well, it says in Romans, um, Romans three, that the Jewish nation was given the oracles of God. Mm -hmm. Right? I think it's Romans three one. That means that the, the Jewish nation had the, the God-given task to put together the canon of the Old Testament. Now, as far as the New Testament goes, uh, I guess that could be a different thing, but, I mean, the New Testament authors are all Jewish except one, Luke. Well, all of it's, the debatable. Well, that's debatable. Oh, I'm gonna, it's debatable. I'm going to argue that he's actually Jewish. Okay. Yep. Then all of them are Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so the God-given mandate was given to the Jews to put together the canon of scriptures. And that is the authority on which our faith is based. Sure. And we're told to not go beyond what Correct. has been written. Is right. Right? Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit cannot lead me or. No, that's not what I'm saying. Me. Right. 
No, what, what I'm saying is, if the Holy Spirit speaks to us, because we, we, we want to know, what does the Holy Spirit do? Remember, we, we wrote down, what does the Holy Spirit do? We wrote it all up on the board. And here we have a text that, 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 that the, way, the way our sacred history is recording it, Peter says, the Holy Spirit spoke through the mouth of David. Okay, the Holy Spirit speaking through the mouth of David. Okay, which we, we now know is Bible, okay? Psalms, especially when we're going to quote a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, that same Spirit speaks through you. Yeah. Right. So yeah. what's coming out that person's mouth? Is our witness. Is your witness, but does it have the same weight? No, because we're told to test it. Test the it? Whole, like, isn't the whole, like the root of the cannon, it's a measuring stick. Yes. Our words are not the same. So they are coming. So Our words are not measuring sticks. Right, so this, this is the, one of those interesting issues. Because here in Jerusalem, many people come along and they'll say, The Lord said. And you go, Ooh, awesome. I'm so excited to hear what God has to say, more than what's in my Bible. Right? And they'll say, Holy Spirit speaking to, through me. Yep. Awesome. And so what's coming out of my mouth is the same as the Bible. And you go, oh, sure. I actually don't think that way. So therefore, what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be speaking through you? And how is it different for the Holy Spirit to have spoken through David? Jude says that I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah. Jude says that uh, the uh, the doctrines, I don't remember the exact words, but the idea is, is in Jude is that the doctrines at the time of Jude had been all given once and for all, and and his, his desire was to write about... Yeah. It, it, uh, be very... I don't have, I don't have my Bible. Just, okay. I, I can't Just remember, I'm a Protestant, okay? You're right. Guilty. It says in the in the in Revelation, do not add or subtract. Guess what we have done as Protestants? Subtracted. There was a much bigger Bible before we came along. Right? So we just have to be very careful what we think we mean when we look at, at certain verses. Okay? Especially as because Protestants, we think we are the best bees knees and we got it fantastic. We, we, we need to be humble and say when we, we might not have all of it. Okay. Our brothers and sisters in the Orthodox have been doing that for a very long time. Our brothers and sisters in the Catholic world have been doing it for a very long time. And, uh, and, and they all love Jesus. So, but, but speaking through David, David was somebody. <laughs> David was somebody. Somebody. Okay. And who's, who am I? I'm nobody. No, I get that. No, no, that's what, that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're you're really precious, baby. We love you to bits. What I'm, what I'm trying, it's the same spirit, right? Is it not? So surely it shouldn't matter whose mouth he uses. Surely, but you and I know none of us here would 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 accept that would accept the idea that the Holy Spirit's speaking and we're creating more books of the Bible. None of us would do that. So somewhere along the line, something happened where we went, okay, the Holy Spirit spoke through David. That became part of the Bible, and it's. True and rock solid. Now that when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's slightly different. And we're not sure why. You hinted at it because we have to test it. Test it. What are we tested it against? Against the Word. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit might still be speaking, but He is not going to say something different. Yes, of course. And that, and that is one of the failings of our, of our, of our church. Yeah. Is we, we don't test it anymore. 
I don't know whether we don't know enough or whether we're not brave enough or whether we're not smart enough or something, but um, it's, it's a, I'm going to admit to only doing it a few times to people here where I say, I don't think that's the spirit. Where people have come here and they've said, listen, the Lord told me to sell everything and move to Israel because I'm staying here until he comes back. And you go, okay. And they did. They sold everything. And here they are. And six months later, they say, the Lord told me to move back to, to, to America. And you go, so the Lord told you to move to Israel because you're living here forever. Then he changed his mind. No. You are not hearing from the Spirit of God. You're not. And so you've got to stop. Stop telling me because you, 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 you're not. Because if you are, then your God, keep changing his mind, get a different one. Mm -hmm. right? So, so our, it's, it's our fault, okay? It's all of our collective fault. There is some interesting things. When we get to Acts 2 and we talk about the teachings of the apostles, we'll bring out um, a, a, a little book of the Didache. They have a, a, a formula for testing the spirits. Okay? Because they, they are struck with this question too. If we believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking through people and someone comes along and says, I've got a word from the Lord, then we, we better listen. Just in case we're going to get told something. Well, Peter writes in his letter, yeah. um, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yep. And then Jesus comes and he says, um, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Yep. And so maybe... There's a difference of how the Spirit's going to work in us than he did Could be. in the prophets. The, the, the Joel chapter 2, which is going to be quoted, or 3, is going to be quoted in Acts 2, uh, where, where uh, Joel says, this is, this, this is being fulfilled. The Spirit of God is poured out in all flesh, and all men will prophesy. So we're all supposed to do it. Isn't that interesting? And that's probably why Paul in Corinthians, when he says the best gift is which one? Prophecy. Prophecy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Because he's got his prophet, Joel, which says the Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh and you're all going to do it. So Paul's like, gee, I hope this happens because this is what I've been expecting. Isn't there, though, a difference between a prophecy that is to be put in the Bible that has to have an impact on, on the whole... Uh, on all times and on all countries, and a prophecy that would relate to like a specific circumstance in my own life, or like an hour or so of my time. There is a big difference, you know. It sure is. Yes, the Holy Spirit speaks to all yeah, of us. Same Spirit. The same Spirit, but mm -hmm. the, 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 the things that He says to me are not mm -hmm. to be put in the Scriptures necessarily. And who's going to decide? <laughs> you know, well, let's mean, have another council. <laughs> Well, yeah, okay. but that stuff right. has well, taken place already. Sure. And, and, and God well, let's, let's, so the Holy Spirit, going back to our text, it's, it's a hard topic, there's no way to answer it. Holy Spirit is speaks, okay? That's what we get, okay? Speaks through David. It's now recorded in the Bible. So we're going to quote the darn thing, all right? So we prove our point of what's going on. And uh, so he says that the, that the Holy Spirit spoke through David about Judas. Awesome, fantastic. 
who uh, served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. They, you know, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. So are about thirty to 40,000 other Jews during Passover. When you tell a Roman soldier, go, go arrest Jesus. Oh yeah, what does he look like? He looks like some Jewish guy with a beard. Oh, well that's easy. In the dark. In the dark. Yeah, I've got no hope. So they need a guide, right? Need a betrayer, otherwise it's not going to work. And uh, he was one of our number. So what does that teach us? They're wrong. Yeah. He shared in the ministry. Yes. And I think we have to be, especially those who are in leadership, we have to be really humble and careful. Yeah. I mean, what did the Bereans do? Searched. Yeah. So, we have, yeah, so we, we, have, we end up with one of our own number doing this. So we have to be very careful. Okay. So with the reward he got with his wickedness, Jesus, Judas bought a field. Did Judas buy a field? No, he didn't. It was bought for him. Okay, he fell headlong, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled. This is new information, because the actual passage in Matthew doesn't mention this at all. Okay, in Matthew, he just hangs himself. Here, we're getting extra information. So Luke seems to know a little bit more detail. He's also a... A doctor. Doctor. Okay, so he really gets down into the nitty-gritty as to what actually happened. Okay, um, whereas Matthew, not so much. Okay. And uh, everyone in Jerusalem hears about this. So this is not something that is a, a secret. And the, 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 the field even has its own name now. Okay? And the name is Aramaic. Oddly enough. Okay? Um, and then Peter, to prove this, begins to quote Psalms. And he quotes two Psalms. For it is written in the book of Psalms... <coughs> May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. So this is Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. So can someone turn to Psalm 69 and someone turn to Psalm 109, and then we'll read them, and we'll see if you can see Judas in this passage. Because if you can, you're doing well. Okay, so who, who can do, who's got Psalm 69? Start, say, uh, a few verses ahead, maybe, uh, what's 20? No? Which, which verse? Uh, 69, let's start at 19. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent over. Pour out your wrath on them and let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted and let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those who wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime and do not let them share in your salvation. What's the context? It's not about a betrayal. But they use it that way. 
What's very interesting in Second Temple period is the way that they used Bible, which is different to the way we use it now. The way we use proof texts is different. Like, <coughs> essentially, what we would say Peter has done is taken a verse out of context. And every preacher gets told, you can't do that. But in the Second Temple period, they had a different way of reading Bible. They had a very involved, very interesting way of, uh, of reading the text and, and, and seeing things that, that are there. They also knew the text differently than the way we do. They knew it uh, orally. Right? They didn't have Bibles just on hand to say, right, um, let's go through some of the Bible and look to see if we can figure out where Jesus was. Okay? Um, they, they have it differently. Psalm 109. Is it uh, Psalm 100? Yeah. Start a little bit ahead of time. All right. Well, you really need to start from the beginning, really. Okay. It's a Psalm of David. Yep. And he's, verse 2 For wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues, and so on, they encircle me. And then yep. verse 6 Appoint a wicked man against him, let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty, let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few, may another take his office. Yes, so the context actually is people accusing David. Okay? And they're all in the plural. Okay? But we're going to take it as a, to apply to one man. So what's very interesting is to look at how uh, the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. When you go back into context, you go, wow, how did they get that? They did... And I wish we could. I wish we could do it today. I wish we could figure out how they read Bible. Uh, as some of you know, I study with a small group of rabbis twice a week, and um, and 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 I, and I try and learn. I really try and learn how you you look at the text, and it's a, it's a, it's amazing. Um, for example, they'll uh, look at a passage that says um, God says to Moses, "Come to Pharaoh." And they'll say, where was God? Pharaoh. He was with Pharaoh. Isn't that interesting? So Moses is over there. And God is saying, come. Ball of Pharaoh. So where was God? He was with Pharaoh. He was with his people. And where was he? Was he wasn't hanging out with Moses. Yeah, he was saying, right, I'm right with the bad guy. Come on, let's challenge you. I'm ready for you. Come. And which, which, is, very, which is very encouraging for us, yes? Yeah, there's an enemy ahead, there's a great giant we have to face, there's a, there's, a, there's a huge obstacle, and God's right there saying, come, come take this obstacle down with me. I'm ready with you. I'm right here. Let's, let's go. And that's actually a really nice comforting thought. So they, they, they run around and they find these things in the text, and, I, and I'm not going to even pretend to know how they did it, but, the, but they do it here. Okay? So... Um, uh, we get a couple of verses which seem to be taken out of context and they apply them to give as their proof text that uh, Judas is, was the betrayer uh, his, the field was just there and uh, it's, it's, it's his it's, uh, blood money and we need to get a replacement so how do we elect replacements in the early church no, they go to Bible's college. I'm sure they do, and they get <laughs> and they get masters of divinity. And isn't that what they do? 
That's what they do these days. <laughs> okay, here we have an interesting piece of sacred history, which we do not do anymore. Okay, when choosing new leadership, no one sits down and goes, okay, let's do a blind thing. Um, not even for you, buddy. We actually had to read your resume. Okay, so. Uh. Sorry, I, I just don't, I don't want to say too much, but I just want to backtrack a little bit on this idea of quoting the Old Testament the way they did. Um, I was once told, and I, I think I, I agreed with that man, that, that we, we cannot necessarily do it. Like the Holy Spirit did it in the New Testament through Peter and through uh, Paul and some of the others. The Holy Spirit did it. It's, it's canonical. But if we stop doing it, then we can make the Old Testament say whatever. And who's, who's right, who's wrong? We don't have any base to work on. Everybody can make the Old Testament say whatever. Actually, that's, not, that's not actually it's true. It's chaos. No, that's actually not true. No? No. Yeah. You don't think so? No, definitely no. Because if it was true, we would have actual chaos. And, um, and I'm not going to say the church is perfect. It doesn't. And I'm not going to say the Jewish people's rabbinical interpretations are perfect. They're not. Um, but there are controlled mechanisms within place as to what you can and cannot do with the text. Jewish people had very de interestingly defined rules as to uh, things like Kalvachome and... Um, the way of the negative and, and, and different ways of looking at and, and velcroing uh, different passages together, which they still do. Okay. Okay. Um, in our tradition, we don't do it so much because we actually don't uh, learn from our brothers as much as we probably should. But the Jewish nation ended up crucifying the Christ. Somebody had to do. In fact, I mean, let's all be careful. Jesus says, no one takes my life except I... Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. And so, so the, can, I, can I just say I don't think the Jewish nation crucified Christ. No, the religious leaders. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. yes. And the early disciples are all Jewish. So yeah, it's a it's a it's not a thing to, to say. No, I'm, to, I'm not anti-Semite. Right. Right. Don't, don't get me wrong. Paul. Yes, sir. We can get back to Acts. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Back to Acts. So we need to figure out how to replace our leader. And we've got a very interesting tradition as to how we do that. Okay. Um, here we're going to cast lots. But here my, my brother is now going to take over. And... Okay. Um, my premise on this is to think, well, I'm going to cut them some slack. And not that they, to think that they didn't do the easy thing that has to come up with a choice. That I want to grant them that the Holy Spirit was leading them in this. <laughs> that they'd been learning to hear from the Spirit and they were following his guidance in this matter of casting lots. <coughs> so, but I want to give you a bit of context. And we've talked about this kind of thing in previous sessions. Just jump back to Matthew 21. I'm going to talk about uh, the way he was challenged by the religious authorities when he was in the Temple Mount just a few days before he died. And... From, from, I won't read very much, I'll just pick out. The, the punchline I want to come to it is at the end of this passage, but from verse 23, it's about Jesus' authority is challenged. And so they say, by whose authority do you do these things? And Jesus eventually says, basically the same as John's. If you can work out what he was doing, then I was under the same authority. And then Jesus comes up with two parables. Oh, and by the way, I don't know whether folk here have come across this teaching that this was a pattern that Jesus often used in teaching. There would be an incident 
or a question, he would respond or answer, and then he would give two parables to back it up. And we have this pattern here. Uh, so the question was, by whose authority? And then he responds to that by questioning them about John and his authority. So he effectively, he doesn't answer it, but actually he does answer the question. And then he goes on to quote two parables, the one of the parables of the two sons, from verse 28, and the second one, verse 33, he says, here another parable, and the master who, of a house who planted a vineyard, and so on, and you probably know it, anyway. When the season for fruit came near, he sent his servants, and they, they took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another, and so on, more. And finally, he sent his son, and they will respect my son, but they didn't, and they killed the son and threw him out. And so, um, Verse 40, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do with those tenants? And people listening to him said, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, have you not read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, this is the punchline. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Now this verse is taken and profoundly misunderstood by people who we describe as being uh, replacement theology. They think Jesus is saying that the, the kingdom will be taken from the Jewish people and be given to the Gentile church. He's not saying that. No. He is addressing um, oh, back verse 23. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him. And then, um, Verse 45, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them, and he was. And he was. <laughs> and so Jesus is saying that, you know, you've made such a mess of leading, shepherding my people. This is what's going to happen. The authority is going to be taken away from you and going to be given to other people. So th this is a thought I want you to have in your mind. Now, in the context of the return of the Jews from exile, we talked about this before, that they came back to Judea from Babylon and they were missing certain things. They were missing. They didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. The, pre the active presence of God. They didn't have the, uh, the fire on the altar. There's no record that the fire of God fell on the altar in the second temple. They didn't have Urim and Thummim. They didn't have this curious device by which the high priest could determine the will of God. And they didn't have the, after, pretty much after Zechariah and Haggai and Malachi, they didn't have the active word of the prophet speaking into their circumstances. But what we're now going to start seeing in Acts is hints, and this is one of them, that something is happening. And the hint is that Peter is going to act in the role of the high priest and decide something by casting lots. In other words, hinting to this thing here, Urim and Thummim, which was a way of determining the choice between one option and another option that, that was only under the prerogative of the high priest who was empowered by the Spirit. So I think here we've got a hint that God is doing something. He's taken away from this, the leaders of Israel and he's giving signs of his authority to another group of people. And 
So I don't think it's a random thing they're doing. I think they were guided by the Spirit to just provide a hint that something is going on here, that God is doing something really quite remarkable with this group of people. And we get an even bigger hint in chapter 2 to do with how the fire falls. Okay, that's... Okay. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, everyone knows what the Urim and Thurim are? Yes? Okay, that breastplate, okay, lights and perfections, or whatever. No, no one really knows exactly how it worked, but it worked. Okay, which is one of those interesting things of the scripture. And, um, and it was always sitting on the high priest. And so, like, if he's the high priest and I wanted to ask a question, I would actually have to go up, and there'd probably be some other flanking priests as well, or Levites, and I'd say, I'd go, okay, brother, have you, you know, done the mikvah and got you all ready? Right, here's my question. Lord, should I buy a field or not? Or should I marry this woman? Or should I something? And I wait. And everybody waits. There might even be a little prayer. We're waiting for some light or some... One, one actually Talmudic verse says actually they, they moved. But, but most say it was, it was lights based on this thing called the all-ring. All okay? Uh, and then Tameh being, being pure. Okay? Or per, uh, yeah, purity. Tameh uh, v'tahor. Uh, impure and, 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 and pure. Um, and here you have this idea of playing the high priest, casting out lots, and then actually choosing a leader. And who are they going to choose it from? Chosen Justice and Matthias. Okay, but who were they choosing them from? From 120. Okay, they've got 120, and they, they give the caveat as to who they have to be out of this 120. They have to be have been right from the beginning. Right? They, these ones have to have been disciples of John. Okay? Just like Peter was. Okay? A, few, a few of Jesus' disciples are also disciples of John. They, they really narrowed it down. Okay, Lord, we really want these type of people. We want them right from the beginning. So when John and Jesus got together and they swapped a few disciples, we want those guys who saw everything, heard everything, taught everything. Um, and so Jesus did teach his 12, yes, but what did those 12 do? Yes, and so you end up that the, 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 the periphery also has a chance to hear the Lord speak, sometimes through the mouth of another guy, but also through, through Jesus as well. And so there's quite an interesting interplay. Uh, the Greek Orthodox, as we've said before, think that Luke was one of them. He was one, he was a Hellenized Jew from Antioch who also heard and, and, and was with the leaders, though not one of the inner group, but he was around. So he also comes armed with many of the unique stories of Jesus, probably because he heard them, or he was very close to the source where it came from. Can I just say something? I've heard um, um, someone preach on this say that um, Matthias is not spoken of again, which demonstrates the fact that they shouldn't have cast lots, that they're, they're actually... Okay. The, the observation on that is that almost all of them don't get mentioned again. Yeah, <laughs> which is true. Most of them, most of them do not get mentioned again, and so I get that. That that, but but you're right. The argument actually falls flat, considering that some of the disciples aren't mentioned at all. Like John chapter one, Nathaniel, never hear about him again. Okay, he he's the first guy to ever say you're the king of Israel, and you can't say well Jesus went whoa. Don't tell everybody. It's supposed to be a secret. You know, he tells other disciples don't say anything. Um, but we don't hear about Nathaniel, so not sure. Um, it's interesting that, that it is true that this guy doesn't write about him. 
Like he doesn't have an axe of Matthew or anything. But we don't know. Okay, so they propose two men. We've got an Aramaic name. First of all, he's got a Hebrew name, Yosef. Then he gets an Aramaic one, Bar. Okay, Bar Sabas. Also Justice, so he also got a Latin name. And a lot of people had multiple names, including people even like Paul and Matthias. They prayed. We get uh, uh, the lot fell. And he was added to the 11 of the apostles. So what is the, is the one thing that we also see there? So we have 11, now up to 12. But other disciples, we've got 118, 108 others. So first of all, what, what are some of the things you notice about these, this idea of, of 12? Twelve tribes. Twelve tribes, sure, why not? Twelve is a very important number. Twelve tribes, okay. What else? Twelve months. Twelve months, okay, sure, no problem. Although we do have to, have to throw in other months every now and again. Jewish kids, when twelve, they do this. The Bar Mitzvah, yeah, twelve, thirteen, there's a certain coming of age, okay. We've got to also hierarchy. We need to promote someone. That's a hierarchy. It's not a kibbutz. <laughs> right? Which is what some people think the early church was. No, seriously. People say, I want to be just like the early church, where we all live in a kibbutz, we all share everything, we all do everything, we're all absolutely equal. Okay. okay? Interesting thought. When we had the 12 tribes, did all of the 12 tribes get exactly the same portion of land? No. No. They're all different. Yes. That teaches us something. You don't all get the same stuff. It's okay for someone to have a little more than somebody else. Right? God doesn't say you'll get the same stuff and you'll better just, you know, we'll just portion out the land nice and fair. Which is unfortunately how large sections are for removing moving in our current day. Okay? Uh, the, there, is a, there is a hierarchy here. We have a, a group that we want to promote somebody to. And later on, we're going to cause a problem with this group. That we're going to have to create another subgroup. Okay. Where do we get the idea of hierarchies from? Comes from the word for priesthood. Yeah, yeah. the priesthood has hierarchies. Yeah. Right? Um, who else has hierarchies? Well, the Roman Emperor. The church. Who's the head of the church? Not me. <laughs> okay, Christ is the head of the church. It's a hierarchy. Right? He's the boss, not me, not you. We have, we have a hierarchy. Um, Moses, when he gets his children out of Israel, uh, who, sh who shows up to teach him that this yeah, doing... His father-in-law. His father-in-law, okay? Which is the most interesting Torah portion. Why? Because it's the portion you get the, the Ten Commandments and it's in a portion of a Gentile. Okay? Which is always... You know, like, that's bizarre. Why couldn't he have waited until we got a draw a portion of some good Jewish guy? No. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's Jethro's it's the, the father-in-law who, who comes and says, what you're doing is not good. You need to create this structure. So there is, this, there is an, an idea of an order, and the, and the early church is going to reflect it too. Okay? There is going to be a boss. 
Uh, you're the boss. Okay. Angels in an order as well. Yes, there's a, yes, there's angels, archangels, there's there's cherubim, seraphim. There's different classes and, and, and roles and responsibilities, and that's going to be the same with us. So you're uh, positing a an argument for the Roman Catholic Church. I am not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, the Roman the Roman Catholic Church is a church with a hierarchy. That's what that is. And didn't they derive it from here? Maybe. Um, the Greek Orthodox has a hierarchy. The Protestants actually have a hierarchy. The fact that the Catholic Church has a hierarchy doesn't mean the hierarchy is wrong. That's also true. No. Yes. They also eat beef <laughs> oh, and well, chicken. That's, yeah, that's, chicken. that's true. And here we have you know, the, the idea that um, you end up with a hierarchy. And hierarchies, aren't, as, you, as you're saying, are not inherently wrong. They can't be inherently wrong. Uh, is if they are inherently wrong, then probably somewhere along the line a prophet would have told us this. Okay. Uh, most likely Jethro wouldn't have offered that advice. And here in the text, when you've got a perfect example or opportunity for the for the for the uh, early church to actually lay out some ground rules as to how you do stuff, they could easily have said, right? There's going to be no bosses. It's not wrong, but it comes with a danger. Yes, they because all do. We're human beings and we all have... The, Without a doubt. The, the desire to control. And yep. So... Yep. 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 Without a doubt. Yep. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Australian, so I operate under a monarchy. Uh, we have a queen. And we, think she's, we think she's great. You're doing a great job. Okay. Um, democracies. We live in one. Israel is a pure democracy, which shows you that democracy means you'll be ruled by the minority, which is not a democracy. <laughs> okay? So we have an election and we will, be, we will have to make alliances with very small parties who will actually end up getting very important seats and having mo more control than they actually should. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with, for example, Netanyahu is the boss, but only 30% of the people voted for him. Okay, so uh, it is interesting that we have these things. They're not inherently good, not inherently bad. They are what we have, and and uh, they 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 can be useful. Okay, so. But you didn't explain why the Roman Catholic why this why the Roman Catholic Church is wrong. Why it's wrong? I mean, they're right. Why wouldn't they be? Why would they be wrong if Protestants say? Well, I know the Roman Catholic Church got it wrong, but this seems to say, hey, they got it right. Well, I would agree that they probably got it right in this in this regard. Um, and also in the regard of uh, uh, when you were speaking earlier about the Holy Spirit. Uh, who decides? Yeah. This is, this, is, this, is, this is going to be very important for us when we, when, when we understand that the Holy Spirit still speaks. Yeah. But what does it mean for Him to speak through you and me and through people that we encounter when we know that he speaks through David, that ends up in the Bible, and that ends up as proof texts, very interestingly done. And we can explore more of that as we use them. Okay? I'll hopefully bring some examples of how Jewish people are using certain texts uh, to explain. Um, yeah, we have to be careful. And we have to test, and we're going to be using that when we get it at, the, at the tail end of Acts 2. Okay. Any other questions? We actually managed to finish chapter 1. Great. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem 
by clicking the Donate Now button on our Facebook page. Thank you and blessings from the City of the King.